0: And hey, hey, everybody, it is Tim Gillette and we're here with another Tim Gillette show. That's right. there's a show that's named after me, but it isn't about me. I love that when I get to do a podcast like this because everybody's like, what do I do for a podcast? interview people and find out about them. It's the best way to do one-on-ones, I'm going to tell you right now, because it's recorded. You can find out all kinds of interesting people, interesting things about people, and the shock when they tell you something on your face is going to let people know that, hey, you are authentic. You are real. You are really like surprised that they told you that. Today's guest is going to be just like that, because Christine McKay, I don't know anything about her. Other than I did take a glance at her web page, I did take a glance at her Facebook page and her and and some of her social media. All right, that I know she's cool enough to be on the show. But everybody's cool who's on my show. Let's face it, I only bring cool people on here. So let me bring on Christine and uh, we actually get to say hi, meet her. All right, and uh, hey, you got questions for? Her, put them in the comments today, and we'll bring them up for. Her. Ready? Hey, Christine.
1: Hey, Tim, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Such an honor.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's great to get to know you finally. All right. I know we've been connected on Facebook. I don't even know how long, but I love it when I finally get to talk to them live on camera.
1: I think it's amazing and I love the format. I just like how it's free flowing and you don't know what to expect and neither do I. I mean, I was, when I was posting about it earlier today, I was like, your shows are fun and they're always a surprise in them. So I love that.
0: That, you know, I I love that. I mean, I know you do a podcast as well and isn't it great when you can be able to do something that puts fun into it, but yet helps, you know, drive your business.
1: Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, I've been doing podcasts for eight years. How long have you been doing podcasts and, and being out there with like a show of some sort?
1: Well, my podcast actually just launched on Tuesday. Oh. So we launched with 20 episodes. I have uh, 32 fully recorded and uh, a lot more scheduled. So we just actually went live. So it, I kind of conceived the idea about nine months ago and it took us a while to get going and adjustments along the way. But yeah, so it's called In The Ben Zone, and it is all about negotiation. And we bring guests from like uh, one of the one of our guests owns a horse ranch. And um, we talk about negotiation and knowing your value. Um, her name is Hannah Zaplatel. We have mm-hmm. Scott O'Neill who's coming up. He's the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment that owns the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers. Jillian Michaels is coming up on the show. Um, we have organic farmers, we have, you know, small business owners, we, I mean, it's just a really cross, it's a cross section of business and uh, really wanting to make negotiation, not a, make it so that it's a topic that it's easy for people to talk to.
0: You know, uh, I don't, do you know my friend, uh, uh, Eldana Luis Fernandez? I don't think so. She teaches like she did something on negotiating. Hers was like think like a negotiator type thing, and mm. uh, yeah, That's I think I got to connect the two of you because yeah. yeah, you know she's off doing. She also working to, has a ministry and stuff that she actually works with some people over, um, in some some in doing her negotiation. She negotiated herself into a missionary trip which oh, wow. created a whole nother mission and a whole nother business for her. Oh, and wow.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> I'd love to connect with her. That'd be great.
0: I will connect the two of you on Facebook later today because man, I just, you know, the two of you sound like two peas in a pot. <laughs> two different styles in the same subject. But Hey, that's what I like about this world. There's always a different view of it. So. It's
1: all, all about perspective and everyone's is different.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I just about got your questions with that one. (laughs) (laughs) You will see at the end of the broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, some interesting things that I did want to get to talk to you about. All right. Just from doing the glance and stuff like that, the purple and the pink in the hair.
1: (laughs) Yes. Got to know why. Well, you know, I've been doing it for 20 years. So it's, um, it's not something new. It's absolutely become part of my brand. Part of it is that I've negotiated in a lot of countries where women are not well thought of and don't really have a place at the table. And there's a very structured way that women are expected to be in, the nego- in a negotiation, especially business negotiations that are with large organizations. So my hair ends up being a pattern interrupt. It's something that when I walk in the room, people are like, What the heck is this person? I mean, what? And they're just not quite sure how to take me until I, you know start doing my thing and then it's like oh okay now I, I gotta take this person seriously and so it just it works as a pattern interrupt and it's become something i mean i thought about changing it and i actually asked a bunch of followers and stuff if and fr- and friends should i you know go normal with my hair and they're like oh my god heck no and i was like i just enjoy doing it too it's just part of who i am and it's uh it's a lot of fun
0: yeah, I know. I I had. Uh, if you've seen some of my yes. past ones, yeah, I I had the long hair, and I just was sick of it. Finally,
1: yeah. <laughs> I had to come up with
0: something new to do with it. But
1: well, mine is probably my my hair hair stylist tells me that it's mostly white under here, so yeah. I'm just not ready for that yet. <laughs>
0: I have quite a bit of gray, as I found out when I yeah. stopped dyeing it blonde. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm just had, not ready. <laughs>
0: yeah, I had the same deal with my hairstylist for the longest time that Zig Ziglar had his wife had with hers. Hey, you keep me in the blonde. I keep you in the black. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I finally went, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's it, it, I, I aged out of it, but. It's a unique thing that makes you stand out, and I know I I, I was going to ask you about it. I was like I've got to ask somebody when they do something to stand out like that. But
1: well, it's also I mean the, you know negotiation as a topic is something that so many people think of as it's something that lawyers do. It's something that you know people professors professors talk about it, and um, and so I'm going to switch my microphone. I'm getting a little a little background feedback. Mm -hmm. I don't know if
0: you're hearing it, but I'm not hearing it, but I'm going to go in here and see what I can do with. uh,
1: I was hearing it. So I'm still kind of hearing it, but that's okay. Um, So gosh, I love doing live shows because you always get those fun things, but negotiations are boring boring topic for so many people. It's just so boring. And it's like, but it's something we do all the time. And it's like, I, it's a great way for me to engage people in a topic that they would otherwise go. That's all for lawyers or trade negotiators or hostage negotiators. That's not about me. And so, so that's- you're
0: not, you're not holding, you know, uh, you know, a secret boyfriend hostage in the basement.
1: no, no. <laughs>
0: That's a question you can say you've probably never been asked on a podcast.
1: That is so true. Now, my husband of 28 years may answer that slightly differently depending on the day. But...
0: Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. All, right, all right. Here's one you've never been asked Does he have a secret boyfriend chained up in the bed? If, if it's
1: secret, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure not, though. No.
0: <laughs> I, I once had this thing, Christine, where, I mean, I worked for Starbucks for five years. And at the time I wasn't dating. I was single. I wasn't dating. I was just, I, I was just being me. And I had tons of girls would come up, you know, I, I was in my forties and they're all like trying to hit on me. So I just come up with this thing. I only date married women. And everybody's like, well, what, what, what's with that? I said, cause if I, I, going out on a date with them is one thing. I don't have to take them home that way. They're going home. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone said one day, what do you know if the husband comes along? I'll date him too. I don't care. <laughs> it became a fun way for me to avoid the subject, uh, th- th- just to get away from it, because I wasn't interested in dating anyone. Right. But anyway, <laughs> we never know what the weird things are in our lives exactly. that will actually come out like that. <laughs> um, so you and your husband have been together, you said 22, 28? 28.
1: 28. Well, we've been married. This will be our 28th wedding anniversary. We've been together for almost 30 years. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cool.
0: Uh, awesome. Kids? You guys got any kids?
1: I had. I brought three with me, and uh, we have none together, but uh, my daughters are all in their mid-30s now, and so they're grown and doing their own thing and am- are just amazing, remarkable women and uh, just an honor to be able to be their mom, so... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we we still have one in the twenties. So other than that, ours our our two of our oldest ones are in their thirties. The youngest is about to enter his thirties in the next year. Uh, but you know, it's 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 interesting when they get their life of their own. Um, how often have you, as a mom and a negotiator, tried to step in and negotiate deals for the kids?
1: So they ask me for advice, um, but there are times where I have to actually say do you just want me to listen or do you want my input? Because the as they've got older and they want to make their own mistakes, they want to figure things out on their own. That's part of the whole growing experience, right? And there would be times when I was kind of trying to cheat them out of that growth opportunity by giving them advice when they didn't want it. So now we have kind of this thing where we try, I, I try to ask them, if they want my opinion or if they just want me to shut up and listen and, and that, that works a lot better. They're probably at least a couple of them may be watching now. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, so We can really talk about them since they're, yeah, exactly. they're yeah, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, I, I say, you know, you know, kids are some of the greatest things that were, will, will get you in trouble or, uh, you know what I mean? Or will help you really grow up to be a parent. Um, My daughter, when she was, I don't know, probably about eight, seven or eight years old, you know, I I worked nights at the time. And, uh, you know, I mean, her mom would uh, would get her up in the morning and she hated to eat breakfast like her dad hates to eat breakfast. Uh, So one morning she decided she comes in and, you know, mom's yelling at her to eat breakfast. She comes in and mommy, I I I finished my breakfast. Can I take the trash out for you today? (laughs) And I heard that and. Being a parent, you want to go. One side of you wants to go, honey, that's not how you talk to your mom. And the other side of you wants to go, this is how you really do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I mean, I often talk about how kids mm-hmm. are kids are great negotiators. And and when the thing that kids are really good at is that they they know how to negotiate where you're at. Mm-hmm. So they ask you as the dad, you know, as dad, they ask you one way. They ask mom a different way. They ask grandparents a different way. They ask teachers a different way. And somewhere along the line, we kind of lose that. and We start falling into this trap of asking for things the same way over and over again. And that's one of the things we talk about in our programs is how to ask for things in a different way using different negotiation styles. Because, you know, nobody teaches us how to do that as we get older. So, but kids are great. They're great they've ta- i've learned so many lessons for mine as well as others so okay.
0: did uh did your uh, your path in negotiation come with the fact that you know i mean you learned some ne- some negotiation shall we say tricks when you were a kid
1: <laughs> um i definitely was always somebody who if i saw something i didn't like and i wanted to change i ch- mm-hmm. wanted it changed it always ended up getting changed even at the school level i did that um I, I don't know that I learned tricks so much it as, and I think that I actually really refined my negotiation as I got older mm-hmm. and would put myself in a position where I was listening more effectively than I did when I was in my youth. In my youth, I was kind of the bulldozer and the bull in the China closet who just kind of was like, I want this to be different. And so I'd go m- make it so. Uh, as I got older, I've learned that that's not, you know that that's not the way to most, to, to win friends and influence people mm-hmm. necessarily, and so I've learned different styles and different approaches to to getting things done.
0: Have um, you know? I mean, in, in, in your process of learning, have you made an enemy or two along the way? Um, I don't you know.
1: That's, I, that's, I don't that's know. tough stuff
0: to say on a, on a live show. Well, no, no,
1: here. no. No, I mean yeah. it, that's interesting. I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know about the word enemy. Um. I mean, that's such a loaded word. Um, I mean, there's certainly a lot of people who don't like me. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. The world's a humongous place. There are lots of people who do like me, and there are plenty of people who don't. And I'm I'm good either way. And I can't control that. I have no influence over that, really, because people take you know people interpret me from their own perspective based on their own history and their own kind of things that noise that's going on in their own heads. And I have no control or influence over that. So I can only can control and influence myself. You know, my ex-husband, I'm sure I'm not, he's not, he's he's not a big fan of mine, but that's fine too. So, I mean, do, do I have enemies? Do I have somebody, I think of an enemy as somebody who's actively seeking to undermine me and sabotage me and, and malign my character I don't know that I have any enemies, but but I definitely have people that don't like me.
0: But 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 how about we we shall we say PC it a little bit? Have you lost a friend or two because of it?
1: Um it's possible. Um I, I and what you what you'll discover in this kind of line of question is I'm not necessarily very I kind of feel that people come into my life for a moment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that moment is very, very short, and sometimes that moment is very, very long. But when they leave my life, I don't spend a lot of time reflecting on what caused them to leave.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So it's, for me, it's when somebody leaves my life, it, and there's, I mean, there's sure there's a reason for it. Um, but my reflecting on it is, my reflection is more that I now have room in my life for even more people. Yeah. So, um, so I don't think about it that way. I'm, But I'm sure I have. I mean, I just, I'm sure I have. I just haven't thought about it. Hmm. Interesting so,
0: question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, I didn't think I was going to go there, but again, I never, no, know no, I love it. Start this. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, let me get into now. I mean, you teach negotiation, or are you actually a, 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 like someone who helps people negotiate? Explain what it is that you do in your business.
1: So, we work with primarily small and mid sized. Businesses. We help them ask for more of what they want and we provide them with the tools and the resources to negotiate for that. We do that in two ways. One is we do educational programs. So we have a program called Venn Masters, which is like Toastmasters for negotiation. We do corporate training, but we also are primarily negotiators. We are negotiators first. So I have been doing negotiation for almost 30 years. I've negotiated with half the Fortune 500. Uh, Across 53 countries and hundreds of small and mid sized companies. Um, And we're not attorneys. Uh, We are business negotiators. Revenue is great, but profits better. And so we really help our clients maximize the profitability of their business relationships. And I, I personally, I particularly love doing what I call David and Goliath negotiations. So I really enjoy helping smaller organizations negotiate with the big, the big gorillas. And, you know, because I, they're they're often they don't have the institutional knowledge to do that and because i've negotiated with so many of them i know how large organizations typically buy and how they sell and i know most of their contracts so that's uh that's a it's a fun thing to be able to help a business grow through those kind of relationships and doing them effectively
0: now, I mean, now, now to get this much knowledge into it—was it, was it uh, a learn-as-you-go industry, or did you take something in college or, or school that helped you realize this is what I'm going to be good at?
1: I learned. I taught myself. Um, in fact, uh, it was. I, I had started out. So I had my my. I started out. I was homeless and not married and pregnant and living out of the back of my car. And decided I and was on welfare for a decade and wanted a different life for myself. And so I negotiated one and I created one for myself and my kids. And um, after I finally graduated from my undergrad program, I started working for what's now Verizon. And I found a way into international mergers and acquisitions. And I had remarried at that point. And my husband is just really incredibly supportive of what I do. And so I started doing international mergers and acquisitions in primarily Southeast Asia, but then I started working in Eastern and Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And there was one deal in particular that I worked on, the Belgian telephone company was, all the Euro didn't exist. And they were trying, all the countries were trying to sell their state-owned assets in order to buy into the common currency. And so Belgium was selling its state-owned telephone company, Belgacom, and I worked on that transaction. And it was my company, British Telecom and Tele Denmark. And my job was to get all three companies and all of their advisors to agree to a single number to include in a bid document proposal to Belgacom and to the Belgian government. And I did that and it was a lot. It was like 30 40 different constituents that had to come into play and get to agreement and alignment and I had so much fun doing that and it was complex. I loved the international aspect of it, the cultural dynamics were just phenomenal. And I just I just really enjoyed I j- enjoyed the math, I enjoyed the psychology and I enjoyed the communication side. And so everything that I did after that, um, I found ways of making sure that negotiation was part of what I did. Now I was honored that after, after that, not long after that project, I actually went to Harvard University for my MBA. And so I was able to learn from some of the professors who wrote the book, Getting to Yes and Getting Past No. But a lot of the details of how to negotiate, the understanding of contracts and things were things that I taught myself on the job.
0: Mm, wow. Uh, but you did, I wrote that down my notes here, you did say that you were homeless. It's, isn't it funny how uh, so many people, uh, when they become homeless, learn something new
1: (laughs) if it will especially if you're going to not stay homeless then you are you 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 have to learn something new otherwise you'll get stuck in that past and just stay there so yeah
0: uh so i i I gotta ask i mean because i mean i went through a homeless phase myself all right you know um there's people out there who listen to this podcast and they want to hear that they want to hear that story you know what i mean some stuff you came from some some stuff you had to go through to get out of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what are some things that you did when you were homeless just, just to survive and dig yourself out?
1: And the biggest thing was, and, and this is true throughout, it's, it's true throughout my life, but especially when I was, was homeless, was I found people who believed in me more than I believed in myself at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'd had a very successful high school career. I was a beauty queen. I was voted most likely to succeed in my class. And then when I found out I was pregnant and I wasn't married and I was a disgrace to my family and all that garbage, um, I just took that mantle and that became who I was and what defined me. And I met this woman named Roxanne Yukin who was a very strong woman of faith. And she challenged me to draw a picture, put God in the center and draw a picture of four things that I wanted to pray for. And the only one of those things that I remember was that I wanted to go to Harvard. And after I got an address and could get on welfare, um, I was about six months pregnant at the time. I'd lost like 25 pounds in my first two trimesters. but I went to the welfare office for the first time and Roxanne went with me and they asked me, what, did I, what are you going to do? And I said, I was gonna, I'm going to go to Harvard. And they laughed at me. Of course they laughed at me. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> you know, who the heck says that, right? You go yeah. into the welfare office, who the heck says, I'm going to go to Harvard University. And it took me 10 years. Um, I married a not so nice guy. In the meantime, I had three kids at the age of 22 I wasn't allowed to work. I wasn't allowed to go to school. He didn't believe that women should be educated, and my job was in the kitchen. And um, and one day, it, and I hit a point where I couldn't feed my kids. I my daughter got really hungry once, and uh, as they do, and you know, I had a can of tomato soup in the cupboard, and that was it. And she hated it; it burned her mouth, and so she did what any self-respecting three-year-old would do, and she threw a temper tantrum. And I picked her up, and I was like, I to show her in the cupboard, I have nothing else. And it was at that moment that I was like, I'm, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So I went, I decided to go to community college. Um, I paid a price for that, um, but I got a 4.0 GPA and a full scholarship to a university called, a school called Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute when I got there, I realized it was going to be easier on my own than it was with my husband at the time. And I became the first woman to graduate as a single mom and a full-time student from Rensselaer. And uh, my daughters have been with me every step of the way. And they are a big reason why I have accomplished so much, not just because they have motivated me, but because they have inspired me.
0: Wow. That, uh, that is uh, an inspiring story, uh, as most people who've gone from homeless to, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean, a solid company, has an inspi- have, have an inspiring story. So uh, who, who um, can you say in your life was one of your biggest uh, influences or, or, or motivators or coaches or consultants or mentors?
1: Um do you mean like people that somebody that people would know or people somebody that it
0: doesn't have to be someone that I okay. know it has to be someone yeah. you know preferably. yeah 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 <laughs> uh.
1: I think that the the person one of the people who had such a huge influence on my life it was a professor that I had in community college named Eric Gauger and Eric um he 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 told me later that I was like a diamond in the rough to him when I came onto campus and I was scared. And, you know, I, I took an ethic business ethics class with him. And we, the final assignment was to like compile all the work and all the papers we'd done and put them in a three ring binder and turn them in. But I couldn't afford a three ring binder. And so I just handed him my papers and he gave them back to me with an F on it. Now, I was a straight A student at that point. And he said the assignment was to turn it into in a three-ring binder. And I said I can't afford a three-ring binder. He said, "Well, if the grade in this your grade in this class is important to you, you will figure out how to turn this assignment in properly." And so I had I had humbled myself to dig cans out of a garbage to put gas in my car. So I humbled myself again to dig cans out of a uh, out of a garbage can to buy a three-ring binder and I t- re- I resubmitted that assignment and got a hundred percent on it wow. and so I've always been grateful to him for that because he didn't let me he didn't let me slide by he expected more of me and 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 demanded it and I I think in that time I and over time I've realized that people rise to the level of other people's expectations and when we don't expect enough of the people around us then that's exactly what they deliver. That's what we get. And, you know, I, and I, and I am grateful to him all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like that. Um, I can't remember the movie it was in. I think it was the one about the high, the hockey kids where basically the kid did not want to take the, the test mm-hmm. and he goes, Oh, this is, you, you're not putting me in here because I, are you're not putting me in the, in the, in the, as goalie because I didn't take your test. He says, no, I want the guy in the goalie who wouldn't take the test. You know what I mean? It's like they, they put that sign to you to make you go, oh, I got to get up and take control of this. I can fix this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Interesting, interesting concept there. I mean, yeah, and all of us have a very interesting story. Yours sounds great, and it's great that you had, like, a mentor like that. Um, I guess that uh, – because the other question I almost always ask, is, is there one statement or one one thing that a mentor said that still sticks in your mind? And you know <laughs> what I mean? Me, that, Me, I have a, a whole thing from, you know what I mean? When I was 20 years old of a boss telling me to take ownership of my job like I own the business. And it's everything I've ever done. I take ownership because of that. In your case, is that story the same for the one thing? Or do you have something else that's like that driving sentence that keeps you going?
1: Um, I think that one of my mentors once told me to, he, he said to me, he's like, Christine, you come into a situation and you sum up the situation very, very quickly. I can diagnose the situation and I can figure out how to uh, fix a situation very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But he did challenge me and this was, I was much, much younger and he's like, but you've got to be careful not to take them out at the knees. He's like, you know, if, if you need to take somebody out, you need to come in from behind, but don't take them out at the knees. <laughs> it's like you got to figure out a different way of approaching your your solutions and to get buy in from people and create more collaboration. And that his his that his feedback and the the what he put into my head the the image that he put into my head really transformed how i started thinking about negotiation and and improved my effectiveness as a negotiator exponentially because it 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 taught me to realize that it wasn't just about solving a problem because that's only part of the challenge mm-hmm. the other part of the challenge is Getting collaboration to solve the problem in order to create more value for everybody who's at the table, and it was because of him that I was able to do
0: that more effectively. Cool, cool, interesting. Um, yeah, and and you know, oh, sorry, I had to stretch a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> um, see, I have this wonderful stand-up desk that I just basically I have a stool that I lean on for these podcasts. <laughs> but anyway. Um, you know, uh, you know, Christine, it, it, you've gone through a long journey. all right? I did notice. Now it's only because it's something I had to figure out in my life recently. A lot of the stuff on your websites uh, showed has the trademark symbol. Tell me when, about getting your trademarks. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I've, all my trademark stuff is in the registration process. Um, my my logo I wanted to create. Um, I wanted so my my philosophy on negotiation is that negotiation is a conversation about a relationship and you cannot win a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's all about collaborating to find more value. And there's research that shows that when we're negotiating for something, that when we think it's a hundred and it's a pie that we're going to divide, you get a slice, then I don't get any of that slice, right? But the reality is, is that it's actually 142, not a hundred. We miss because we're so focused on what's in front of us, we miss value opportunity. So I came up with the Venn diagram as a way of um, understanding or depicting that negotiation happens at the intersection of common common ground. It represents common ground. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's always party A and party B, and then there's always an invisible negotiator at the table, whether you're buying a car and you're at the dealership by yourself sp- self and your spouse is in your ear, whether you're in business and your bosses in your ear, right? There's always an invisible negotiator. So that's part of it. And it's also that there are kind of three quarter aspects to negotiating. One, you got to get clear on what it is that you do. Two, you have to figure out how to ask effectively. And then three, you have to be engaged over the lifetime of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it, the diagram just kind of, fig- kind of, brings all that together and so venn is in everything it's it's very much a part of our our trademarks on all the things that we do and uh, our Venn pro services our, our negotiation services and our Venn masters programs wh- uh, whether they're for inter, uh, individuals or our corporate um, are it's really kind of toastmasters for negotiation cool. and so that's how that's 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 where that comes from
0: uh, you know, and, and I asked that about trademarks. I had to learn the hard way about trademarks over the last couple of years. Mm. My last name is Gillette. Yes, a trademarked name. Yeah, we're just yeah. going to leave it at that when we talk about trademarks. That's why we—that's yeah. that's mine. So I just got simple, easy marketing. Yeah. So, uh, but that's it. I mean, I seen the process, and I, I thought maybe you were going through the process, and and what made you go through it. Because so many people are not trademarking what they do and understanding the concept, is you know you've got to have some of this stuff you know down. Uh, yeah,
1: it's huge. I mean, Ven is like my my podcast is in the Ven zone. Um, yeah. You know, my book, I, my I have a book that'll be coming out soon, and we're, Ven Press is publishing it. And so, you know, it's. So yeah, if you are going to invest your time and energy in building a brand, mm-hmm. then you better get it registered as a trademark.
0: Yeah, uh, truthfully, all right. And who, do you, who did you use to get help get your trademark?
1: I have an attorney that I that I work with oh. the, in Washington DC that's helping me with all that stuff, so. so.
0: So one of my former mastermind members is the trademark and patent attorney for Shark Tank, but I had a friend of mine from Canada do mine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like people are like, wait a minute. Yeah, uh, you yeah, have to do them
1: yourself. They're actually not that complicated. They're not.
0: Um, I did mine, and I use this guy in Canada who's who's spoken on my stage. And basically, uh, it's a it's a fee for him. I other other than the fee, I pay him. It's a government fees is all I ever have to pay, and he guarantees it. In other words, he does the research before he even starts it. And in my case, he says. I can 60% guarantee you're going to get it. So that means if I don't get it for you, I give you 60% of your money back. Right. Now yeah. the the guy, I mean, you're talking about negotiation. The guy who actually was in my you know mastermind, who's a great patent and, and, and trademark attorney here in Dallas. Um, he is like, no, he's by the hour. He couldn't guarantee anything, but he, he, he can guarantee me how much he can charge me by the hour.
1: Right. Exactly. i like,
0: I want to negotiate a better deal here. <laughs> It's funny how we, we learn things that what we want to do and don't do in life. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm curious. I mean, you, you uh, you know, the Venn negotiation has been a business now for the entire. Uh, how long has it been in business? You've been in business doing this.
1: So we really started um, doing like building the business last year. Actually, okay. we released uh, really in March. <laughs> so right. The pandemic hit and it's like, all right. OK, now what? <laughs> um but last year we did we worked with a lot of companies um a lot of smaller businesses helping them restructure their leases so we did a lot of retail work uh worked with retail companies and restaurants um a lot of david and goliath negotiations oh, there yeah. and uh you know to get them some relief on their on their rent mm-hmm. um which is really cool when you get when you're able to you know help somebody get six months of relief on their rent. Um, that's going to help them stay in business. So, uh,
0: yeah. Um, you know, or, or the fact, I, I thought it was very wise of you to go, okay, um, let's take another crack at being homeless. Let's start a business in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. So, uh, my wife did, my wife works, she's working with a team, uh, here in Dallas to start a whole other company to compete with her old company.
1: Oh wow! In the middle
0: of the pandemic, they started this. Yeah, figure that one out.
1: I figure, I figure, you know, and I I just really, I've been doing a lot of um, speaking. I love doing speaking, and it's like, so I'll start a speaking thing on, you know, speaking and training in in the pandemic too. So that was, so that's good. So it'll it'll be a great story.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I started my real estate company in the uh, in the bottom of the market, two thousand nine. Yep. Yeah. And I know people who started their businesses in 2009 in the investment world who aren't around anymore.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: we're still here, and and uh, all of the all the investments we bought and bought with loans back then we own now. That's you know, eleven years here, you know. And most people will not start in a downtime and realize there's a way to work through this. All right, being a negotiator, you've learned how to work through things. I like take it.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I mean, one of the things that I love about the work that I do is that it doesn't matter if a company is growing and and the market is improving, right? Then larger organizations get really cocky and, you know, they become even worse about sending, you know, saying to the smaller organization, here's the contract, just, just sign it. We don't negotiate it. Or in a downturn, we've got, we've helped a number of clients, um, recapture, uh, from accounts from payables that they owe that they can't pay and restructuring those and renegotiating that um, to, you know, from a liability perspective to renegotiating with suppliers to address reductions in um, purchasing capabilities and purchasing power. So, yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I love about the work that, that we do is that it is, it's kind of sits in any market. It, it doesn't matter which, what the market is really doing. It's still, whether it's growing or or contracting, there's still need for negotiation. So, Cool.
0: Well, uh, you know I mean? One of the closing questions I want to have ask here for you is uh, to those people out there who are trying to negotiate, maybe it's anything from, you know what I mean? A a, a lease deal to a, a new business. The listeners today, somebody out there is negotiating something. What advice would you give to them?
1: The first thing I'd say is be very clear on what you want. And that doesn't mean Price,
0: mm-hmm.
1: price is typically in a really amazing negotiation. Price is an outcome of a negotiation, not an input. It's an output, not an input. Know what you want in terms of delivery. How fast do you want to? How do you fast? Do you want to get paid if it's a customer? Just know. Go go through detail and read the contract, and don't assume that your attorney knows your business because they're in in contracts. of the risk in a contract is business related, not legally related. And most attorneys don't understand your business. And so, you know, you know, it's, you need to be able to understand the contract and what its impact is going to have on your company and are those things that you're willing to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. So uh, what I want to do now is make sure everybody can figure out your website. How do they get a hold of you if they want to do business with you, hire you to speak, have you on their podcast?
1: So you can go to uh, www.vennegotiation, And it looks weird because it's three N's in the middle. So it's V-E-N-N and then negotiation. Sure. So vennegotiation.com. And you can you can check out our podcast, um, which has a lot, the blog for all the podcast episodes are there. Um, the book is, we have a page on the uh, press that you can check out the book that we have coming out soon, as well as learn about our products and services.
0: You uh, you don't have uh, like a, a download they can get for like a negotiation yes. guide or something like that? Yes, okay. yes
1: there, there's absolutely, uh, you can type your, contact information in and we'll send you uh, the seven keys to successful negotiation. And you can take a quiz to learn what your default negotiation style is, which is always fun. And uh, there's a video that goes with it when you get your results. So you can learn a little bit about kind of who you are as a negotiator.
0: Yeah. That is so cool that you actually have that stuff on there. I always like to find out what the free giveaway is because most people are like, uh, I don't know what to do for a free giveaway. Uh, how about like a seven steps to negotiation for since you're I mean, I can come up with like that. Yep. That's why I'm <laughs> in the consulting business.
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, well, it's been great having you on the show, Christine. I just, I, I, I got to close out with one thing. It's my my infamous nine questions or nine questions for you. Uh, this or that, Or it's a little game I like to play. I learned from Sammy Hagar. Yep. Uh, I'm cooler Let's than Sammy I. Hagar. I'm younger. <laughs> um so basically uh some of these are you know a choice one or the other uh some of them we have a conversation around them some of them may not (laughs) all right we're gonna go with it and find out as we go along so let's do it all right i start out this one with everybody and that is the easy one star wars or star trek star trek okay kirk or picard picard (sighs) so you were in the next generation crowd
1: oh yeah i love the next generation
0: yeah yeah Okay, cool. Um, My next one here is a little bit one I've started to pull in lately, and that is, you got a choice to have a friendly fight at your uh, local picnic, water balloon fight or snowball fight?
1: Water balloons.
0: (laughs) I've gotten anybody to take me on the snowballs yet. They're like, they're still thinking snowballs are them loaded ones from the Philadelphia Eagles. No, Uh,
1: snowballs implies there's cold weather. I live in Southern California. (laughs) No, I left the the cold climates. (laughs) No.
0: I moved here. I moved to Texas from Pennsylvania. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) So uh, next one here is if you're riding in the car, nowadays, are you listening to a podcast or music? I don't listen to anything in the car. Nothing.
1: Nothing. I love the sound. I love rolling the window down and just listening to the sound of the world kind of zipping by. My husband and I love to do long road trips. We'll put 900 miles a day on the car and uh, we don't listen to anything. We just sit sit and visit and just chill.
0: that song bad. from Disturbed and uh, um, or, Disturbed. Star, Star, Carmen, or Simon and Garfunkel, "The Sound of Silence."
1: Oh God, I love that song. Disturbed's version is is actually, in my opinion, much better than Simon and Garfunkel. To me, it
0: Disturbed's version so of that song, by the way, it's just because I was thinking "The Sound of Silence" because I love the song number one, but you said that you're like listening in silence. I'm like, oh, you love "The Sound of Silence." Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, but, Disturbed's I... version of that is by far the best recreated uh. song in history. It's
1: so good. Oh God. If, 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 the if people listening haven't actually heard it, oh my God, you've got to go listen to that. It's so incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah. I would play it, but I would get shut down with them. Yes. <laughs> with trademark and copyright. And yeah.
1: Trademark. All sorts of things. All yeah. the bells and whistles would go off. Yeah. So,
0: uh, now I'm going to move into food products, hamburger or taco. Tacos. All right. Do you have like a certain taco out there in Southern California you're doing?
1: Oh, there's this little hole in the wall place by LAX called El Tarasco. And oh God, it's so good. They actually deep fry them. <laughs> so it's terrible for you, but it's so good.
0: Okay. Where, they, I'm like, I do. I'm a, the one place in LA I come to is LAX for speaking all the time. It's,
1: it's right off of, it's right on Sepulveda. Just, I mean, it's like a mile or a mile and a quarter from the airport.
0: North so. or north or, or south? Uh, uh,
1: north, I think. North? Okay. yeah, north, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have certain places El I go Truffle. visit when I'm there. Uh, when I go, there's a place like called the Manhattan House South. When I go, mm. um, I don't know if you know that. Uh-uh, uh, I don't. Yeah, I met the owner like when I was there my birthday, in like 2015 or 16, and he was just opening up, and and yeah, I've been going there. But like all those little places I look for now that Uber's out, when I'm at a conference, I don't eat at the hotel. I take a night, hop in Uber, and go to someplace.
1: Yeah, so. exactly. No, El Tarasco is very, very good. We've been going there for 10 years, and they know us when we walk in, and it's it's cool. awesome, awesome. Cool.
0: So my next one here is uh, we'll go into this one here. Let's see if, if you go into this category. If not, I can move the other one, and that is beer or wine. Wine. Wine? Yeah. Okay. You live in California. You gotta look it, like. It's true. It's true. You going to Napa much? Well, not in the past. No,
1: I'm, I'm a Central Coast Paso Robles person.
0: Oh, Norman Vineyards, Paso Robles.
1: Oh, I haven't ha- I haven't been there. Kaleza is my favorite wine on the planet. Yeah,
0: we went to so Norman good. in 2009. We went to Norman and and Paso Robles, and uh, they had this uh, old vine Zen. Uh, they, and like, we bought like a half a case leftover, right? They said, well, this is leftover. We're getting you know, very little left. And we got home. We loved it so much. I ordered another case yeah. or like two cases and like the price online, it was, uh, my bill was going to be like $500, the price online. And when I got the charge, it was like 200 and some dollars because they were selling at a discount price. And everybody, we went through those two cases like in no time. Yeah. So, like, no,
1: yeah. I, I love Paso Robles wines. So it's, it's my favorite. Great, great,
0: yeah. great wines in that area. So yeah. Uh, Let's move on into the dressing topics. All right. Uh, Are you a heels girl or a boots girl? Heels girl. Yeah. Go ahead. Show us the heels you have on.
1: No. Oh, no. Today, actually, I'm not wearing them, but usually just, it's actually very unusual. Usually I get I get teased, especially when I speak at women's events and everyone you know, throws their flip flops. Today, I'm barefoot, but uh, usually I'm wearing like four to five inch stilettos. So <laughs> that's even at home, even at home. Oh, professional. I, I just I just it's part of my business attire usually.
0: Okay. So then we're going to stick with business attire. All right. Are, are you a dress up girl? All right. Or the past year we've only had to dress up from the waist up. So are you a yoga pants girl?
1: No, I'm actually, today actually I'm wearing white jeans on with this top, but this mm-hmm. top is long and kind of flowy, but I wear dresses and I dress up for the office to this every day, even when, and I, it's actually especially important for me when I'm home that I dress up mm-hmm. and uh, I, it's very unusual that you'll see me in sweatpants I have a ritual at the end of the day where I change into my yoga pants. But during and and I'm at my desk at four o'clock in the morning, usually. So I I usually, you know, work for an hour and then I get dressed and ready. And so,
0: so, yeah, that's like my wife and I, we have it's like the after dinner. We go put pajamas on. That's like a practice. That's a sign that we we're done. All right. Once the pajamas come on, I'm not I can't come up and be back on camera because I was at the house. Uh, She works out. But and she comes home dressed up. But that's like that 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 signal in the mind. It's like the, the, it clicks in the mind. okay, we are on family time now. yeah.
1: yeah. I do that when I travel when I when I'm flying on international flights on a red eye, yeah. I get on and on the plane and I'm dressed and I, then I have my dinner and stuff. and then I go and take all my makeup off and I put on pajamas and then I sleep in about 45 minutes before the plane lands, I get up and I get dressed and I put my makeup back on and and wow. off I go.
0: I've not done international flights, but like uh, when I travel, uh, you know, what I mean, I do this. The, I do the thing after dinner. I come to my room and and you know, I, I'm most in the U.S. I do the same thing. I put pajamas on and I'm relaxed, um, you know. And, and it's that's uh, I'm in for the night. So yep, I'm the same um, way. So my last two questions are the controversial ones that I ask everybody, and uh, some of these have gra- gained some of the most notorious uh, answers. But yeah. the next one here is the toilet paper on the roll. Does it go over in your house or under?
1: Well, in honor of Seth Wheeler, who is the patent holder for toilet paper, <laughs> 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 um, because this is this is a, this is a whole thing in my house. Mm-hmm. The uh, toilet paper goes the way that he designed it, which means that it goes over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably the most, uh, um, shall we say, descriptive terms. All right. You've got it down <laughs> to the proper answer and all. There's a lot can be said about a person about how they answer that question, by the way.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, yep, absolutely. It's yep. it's funny because the, the, the most interesting answer I've had before yours was uh, Cammie Baker out of uh, New Hampshire, who basically said, I'm a single girl. If I go to a guy's house three times in a row and change that toilet paper, From under to over, I break up with him. This relationship, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah, Well, I went to school. The school I went to, Rensselaer, is in Albany, is in Troy, New York. And Seth Wheeler's from Albany, so he's kind of a a recognition. I think is, I know he pat it's like four hundred and fifty thousand number patent or something like that. So yeah, but it's over.
0: So the last one that I get to ask, and I realize that sometimes people criticize me for asking this one of ladies, but you take it however you want. I'm not implying anything, but boxers or briefs.
1: Boxer briefs.
0: (laughs) And your husband is in there taking notes.
1: (laughs) I buy my husband's
0: underwear. I don't let my wife buy my underwear. I let her wash them for me, but I don't let her buy them for me.
1: No. So my husband, for our entire relationship, whenever me or my daughters asked him what he wanted for Christmas, he's always said socks and underwear. That's it. So every Christmas he gets socks and underwear. They buy him socks and I buy him underwear. (laughs) So,
0: Life was so simple. I mean, my younger (laughs) years, that's what grandma, that's what my grandma bought me for Christmas every year because I realized I was broke every year at Christmas time and I needed new socks and underwear. Well,
1: my, my, when my kids were little, we had a tradition in our family where we do treasure hunts for their, like a big present. Mm-hmm. And so one year, just a couple years ago, one of my daughters sent my husband on an elaborate treasure hunt. So you go out, you, you get a clue and then you go find another clue and you have to come back and read the clue. And so it was like six different trips he had to make so you could get a big box of socks. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I hate doing this. And they're like, we hated it when we were kids too bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. It was, yeah, our middle daughter, Lyra, did that. It was, it was pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> that is just so cool. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Christine, it's been fun having you on the show. One more time, I want you to say for both uh, the, the viewing people as well as the audio people, your website so they can come find you.
1: Again, it's Christine McKay at Venn Negotiation at www.vennegotiation.com And Tim, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I knew I was going to have fun with you. So <laughs> it's been awesome. Thank
0: you. We are fun people. Anyway. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the show. So. Hey, to you, the listener, I want to say thank you to be uh, our listeners today. Please go check out Christine and and then negotiation.com. All right. Go get that download from her. All right. So you know how to negotiate by all means. If they're going to give you a free gift, take advantage of it. Please do that. Show them they're cool. All right. I'm Tim Gillette with the Tim Gillette show. Make sure you subscribe to where you get your podcast and help us get our numbers up on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash Tim Gillette and subscribe there as well. I'm Tim Gillette. I'll be back with somebody else real soon. Talk to you then. Bye now.